but it's Christmas Day. And, and I, it just blows my mind that the millions of people, billions of people really, waking up right now. And we're here, here we are in Aotearoa. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus and there's people celebrating his name. 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, our child was born to us. And, and here's the thing. When it comes to the birth of Jesus, the 25th of December, it's a day that we remember. We remember his birth, right? And, and many, of us, we, we, many of us know, and in fact, we, many of us know, and scholars are all unanimous on this, and, and that we don't actually, we don't really know when Jesus was actually born, right? We don't actually know when he was actually born. It's just the day that, that we come together as a world to celebrate his name. In fact, celebrating Jesus' birth on the 21st of December isn't without any controversy, right? You may have heard, and here's the thing, I'm going to start off with some fun facts. Anybody likes fun facts? Here's a little bit of a fun fact for you. True or false? In fact, that's going to be true or false. It's, it can be rhetorical. Here's the thing. Whenever the pastor says true or false, you're not too sure what answer to give because sometimes the obvious answer isn't so obvious. Here we go. True or false. Did Christianity hijack a pagan festival in order to convert them to Christianity? Okay. True or false, right? True or false. Did, did uh, Christianity hijack the 25th of December where there was a, a really pagan festival, did they hijack that day to convert them to paganism? And, and the answer is actually false. And I've heard some of you call it, it's false. It's either a, a mother's, an old wives' tale, mother's tale, an old wives' tale, right? And uh, that's not, not true at all. You may have read something on the internet. Someone may have told you that, God, oh, did you know that it's 25th of December? It's, it's a pagan festival. You know, actually, no, no. Christianity did not steal that from a pagan festival. But it's really interesting that in 274 AD, everyone say 274. In 274 AD, Emperor Aurelian instituted for the very first time this Roman festival known as the Natalis Solus Invictus. Does anybody know what that means? It means, I'm going to tell you, it means the birth of the unconquered sun where they worship the sun, right? So he instituted this day, which is really, really interesting because because before 274 AD, there was no pagan festivals on December 25th. No pagan festival ever existed on that day. In fact, this festival was introduced to stem the tide of many Roman citizens becoming Christian. Right? Because Emperor Aurelian, he's looking around and all his citizens are becoming Christian. So he tries to stem the tide by coming up with this festival. You know what? We're going to celebrate we're going to celebrate the unconquered sun on the 25th of December. Up until that point, no other festival existed on the 25th of December. However, there were celebrations, and some of his subjects were celebrating that day. They were celebrating the birth of Jesus. In fact, in fact it is, um, they were celebrating at least 70 years before Emperor Aurelian instituted this day. So what's really interesting, uh, it, it was actually the pagans who hijacked the Christian holiday, not the other way around. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. When next time someone says that to you, wow, actually, it's actually the other way around. So how did the church come up with the 25th of December? If they didn't hijack, if they didn't hijack the pagan festival, in fact, that was the other way around, then where did this, this number come from? How did they come up with the 25th of December? Right? And it's, and it's really it's based on an old traditional Jewish um, old Jewish tradition, okay, and this old Jewish tradition, it kind of said that a prophet's death coincides with his conception, 
right? A prophet's death coincided with his conception. This is an old Jewish tradition. And so the early church, they take this tradition and they apply it to Jesus. And, and the Western church, the Western Christian church, way back in the day, they calculated the birth, oh sorry, the crucifixion of Jesus to be March 25th during Passover. They said, oh, Jesus was crucified on the 25th of March. Now, if you apply this Jewish tradition to it, so therefore if he was crucified on the 25th of March, oh, he must have been conceived on this same day. So when you add nine months to the 25th of March, what do you get? March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. My funny holding up December, nine months. December 25th. And that's where the date came from. And, that, and Christians, the early church began to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And it was recorded at least 70 years before Aurelian started his festival. What's interesting is that, did you know that the Eastern Orthodox Church, they celebrate the birth of Jesus on the 7th of January. So the, the Greek, oh, sorry, the Eastern Orthodox Church, it's the 7th of January. Because they calculated, guess what? When, did Jesus, when, when for them was Jesus crucified? April the 7th. So you had nine months and you get January 7th. Anyway, a little bit of fun fact for you. So what day was Jesus born on? Well, it actually doesn't matter. But what matters is what, or should I say, who we celebrate on this day. Because we celebrate the birth of our Savior that was born to us um, to bring the salvation to the world. That God loved humanity so much that he steps into his creation and he becomes a human being in the fullness of Jesus. Right? More than that, he becomes a little baby. He, Holy Spirit comes upon Mary, and Mary conceives a child, and, it's, and it's, now it's God in human form. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered, why did God have to become a man? Why did God have to become a man anyway? Yes, I, I, I know this to, to bring salvation, but couldn't God just, just wave his hands around <laughs> and just make it happen? Why did he have to become a man, and why why was he born as a baby? Why does he come as a baby? A baby's defenseless. A baby's fragile. I remember when my child was born. Oh my goodness. Do you remember I was holding my, my child in my hand and I was, I was afraid that I could, could squash my child. And, and then at nighttime, have you ever done this? I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll just check. See if, if a child's still breathing. Has anybody ever done that before, right? You're just kind of like, you're just kind of freaking out, right? Because the, this baby's just this small and defenseless, and, and, and here's God. God, God, you could just, you, you spun a universe into creation out of your actual being. Surely you could just come as a human being, just created yourself. I don't know. But as a baby, and why did you choose Mary and Joseph? I mean, these guys, they, 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 weren't, they, weren't, they weren't just ordinary. They were less than ordinary. Hey, God, I've got a better plan. Why don't you, if you're going to come as a baby, maybe be born in a palace where there's influence and where, where there's wealth, where you, where you can begin to, 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 uh, to begin to, and to make waves. That's a way better plan. But that's not how God decided to do it. He decided, no, that's not my plan. This is not how I do things. And today we're going to be looking at how God and why God decides to do what God decides to do. And to be honest, we never find out, but we're going to have a little glimpse of that. And today, our Christmas reading is going to come out of Psalms chapter 8. If you're looking for a title for, uh, for, uh, for this morning's message, it is, To Us a Child is Born. To Us 
a child is born. So we're going to be reading Psalms 8. And if you're familiar with Psalms 8, you're probably thinking, that's a strange passage to read during Christmas. But let's get through it. It may surprise you. So let's, we're going to start at verse 2. And the psalmist begins to write and says this, Out of the mouth of babies and infants, out of the mouth of babies and infants, out of babbling babies, right? Anybody ever been a babbling, been, been a babbling mess in your life before? Out of the mouth of babies and infants, out of the mouths of babes. You have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. Like, that passage alone is kind of like, what? <laughs> what? Out of the mouths of babbling babies, you're going to bring, you have strength? Your strength comes out of babbling babies? What does that even mean? Here's the thing, Psalms 8 is a beautiful poem. It's a beautiful poem about how God, how God will rule the world out of the mouths of babes. And, and for us, it's, it's, it's like a riddle that's going to be unpacked as we go through the psalm. So let's go to the next part of the psalm. Psalm 3. Verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? See, the poet is reflecting on the creation story in Genesis. And he's looking up and he's, he's looking at this, and where God creates the splendor of the heavenly lights. Right? And he installs the heavenly lights above. And he creates man below, out of dirt, right? So here's the psalmist going, the splendor of the heavenly lights in this little dirt creature, right? This is, this is, this, this is, this is what, what he's saying. Because and, and, here's the thing, it's easy for us. Have you ever looked up in the night sky and you ever felt so insignificant? Like you look at the great universe and you're like, man, who am I? Who am I? Look at, look at, look at the, the grand universe. Who am I that you will care for me? Who am I that, that you're mindful of me when I look at this? And sometimes we can feel so insignificant in our families. Have you ever felt so insignificant that, you know, maybe God will care for them, but he won't care for me. Because he knows, if God really knows things, then he knows who I am, he knows what I've done. He'll care for them. Why would he care for someone like me? Have you ever been in a place where you felt so insignificant that no one loves you, that I don't think anybody will even, they would even notice that I'm gone. But we need to understand something, that you are so important to God. This is what the psalm is all about. It's about you and how important you are to Him. Verse 5. Yet you have made Him a little lower than the heavenly beings, than the Elohim. Right, the spiritual beings up there. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. This is kind of like the poet's writing this. He goes, oh my gosh. He's, he's, you know, the, our Bibles, it's, 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 when we think of Jesus, Jesus is fully man and fully God. And our Bibles are fully man and fully God coming together in this beautiful, this writing. The poet's he's writing this down inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, oh my gosh, God, what's going on here? You've given that you you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and and now you've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. So when we read Genesis, God elevates the weak. God elevates this little, these little dirt creatures for this majestic task to be His image, 
who will rule over all of creation. And the pole can't believe it. That we've got these dirt creatures, and yet God puts everything under his feet. Well, you will be my image. You will represent me. Out of all everything in creation, you're going to, resi- uh, you're going to, you're going to represent me. And this is a clue on what, how God works, that God loves to elevate the weak. God loves to elevate the afflicted ones. And this is what God does. And, and, and that's what both of these poems are talking about, that how God loves to elevate the powerless so he can rule through them. Whether it's through babbling babies or through lowly humans, God chooses the weak, the poor, and the afflicted. I love what, how Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians and I often love to use this verse talking about myself. And, and possible, basically, it goes on to say that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That God will choose someone like me. All right? And so when we look, read the psalm, and it's like, oh my goodness. God, you care so much for us. God, you're, you're so for us, and yet you still want to partner with us, and you elevate us, and, 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 and everything is, and, and, we, and we come and we come to rule with you. But then, have you ever looked around the world, checked your social media feeds, watched the news, and you wonder, you scratch your head and it goes, if that is true, then why, is, why are human beings so cruel to one another? I mean, just the other day, I heard that the cookie time girl in Hamilton was robbed. The cookie time girl was robbed here in Hamilton. And I think, how was it? And it's kind of like when you're giving, bringing a baby, defenseless baby, in, into this world, and, and you think, well, do I really want to bring a baby up in this world? And we can be gripped with fear. And, and to be honest, many of us are living that way. We're fearful of what's going on around us. We're fearful of, of what's happening. Do I, do I really want to bring up a child in this world? This defenseless child, Fred, can I protect this child? And we can be gripped with fear that it begins to affect the way that we think, the way that we begin to make decisions when we allow fear to take hold of us. And this is why we celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Christmas because Emmanuel, God is with us. That we do not need to let fear take hold of us when we know who is with us. And this is what the apostle, well, this is what the Bible begins to begins to share with us and trusting us. And, 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 and when, we, when we as human beings, when we begin to treat each other like this, it stems right out of the Garden of Eden, right? Instead of trusting in God's wisdom, trusting in God for defining what is good and evil for our lives, humanity sees the opportunity to redefine it for ourselves. No one's going to tell me what to do. No one's going to tell me if this is good or bad. I'm going to decide for myself. No one's going to tell me anything, not even God. And humanity sees the opportunity. And because of that, we are now slaves to sin, and sin leads to death. I love Psalms 8 because it leads us forward. It leads us forward to the story of Jesus. In fact, the writer of the book of Hebrews takes Psalms 8, and he applies this to Jesus. He says, you know the Psalms 8? It has a double meaning. Yes, it's humanity, but it's also singular. Singular. And he applies it to Jesus. Jesus, the representation of all of humanity through his life and death. And he begins to apply Psalms 8 to Jesus. And this is what he writes. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? 
You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. And we read that in Psalms 8. And the writer of Hebrews continues. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside of his control. Speaking of Jesus. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. When we look around our world, check our, our, our social media feeds, we can see that. But there's a promise that there is a better time coming. Verse 9. But we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, right? It brings Jesus in. This is, I'm talking, now it's like, I'm talking about Jesus here. That God steps into his creation and he becomes a human being. A fully fledged human being. Which means for a little while, as a human being, he was lower than the angels. Because he steps out of his creation and he becomes a fully fledged human being. 100% human being. He's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God and he's 100% man. Go figure. That's God. Crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. And then, then the writer goes on to say, and he was inaugurated as king of the world. And when was his inauguration? It was at his crucifixion. He wasn't given a crown made of gold and jewels, but a crown of thorns. And he wasn't elevated onto a throne, but he was elevated and lifted up on a cross. And it was at that moment that he was inaugurated as king of the world. And then the writer goes on, so that by the grace of God, by God's grace, he might taste death for some people, just those who are good, just those who, 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 um, who, uh, who listen to their parents. <laughs> now, what does it say? For everyone. The, the writer of Hebrews tells us why we celebrate Christmas, that the creator of the universe will become a small, weak, dependent baby out of the mouths of babes. Oh, it's God's MO. This is how God works. He takes the foolish things and he to confound the wise and becomes a baby, that God becomes a man and the person of Jesus Christ. Why? So that he may set us free from the power of sin that leads to death by dying for everyone. See, this is why God had to become a man. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. This is why God had to become a man. Why? Why are we celebrating Christmas? Birth of a baby? We're celebrating the fact that God chose to step into his creation and become a defensive baby, 100% human being. This is why we celebrate Christmas, that God chose to step in for us. Here's the thing, the atoning sacrifice for our sins require an eternal sacrifice. But here's the thing, how can an eternal being die? If you are eternal, you can't die. So what did God do? He became a man. 
See, one cannot have the resurrection that defeats death unless there is first a death. So God steps into his creation and becomes a man. And in the fullness of Jesus and on the cross, he died for your sins to set you free. Making salvation possible. Jesus tasted death for everyone. This is why we celebrate Christmas. That God chose to step into his creation for you. To die for your sins, to set you free. The sin that leads to death. So what does this mean for us? It means that if you feel insignificant, if you feel forgotten, if you've ever been hurt, there is a Savior for you. That God loves you. He loves you. And He's mindful of you. You know what that means? It means that He thinks about you all the time. There's nothing too big or too small. You are not insignificant. Your life is not insignificant. He is mindful of you. He loves you. He cares for you. And 1 Peter 5.8 the Apostle Peter describes Satan, the Satan, as his adversary who prowls around like a lion looking for his next victim. Peter goes on to say, the way to overcome this adversary, get this, is to humbly cast all of our worries. Do you have any worries? All of our fears. Do you have any fears? All of our anxieties onto God who cares for you. You know, the Satan is the biggest, baddest enemy that humanity will ever face. And yet, we can defeat his efforts simply by crying out to God in our time of need, and you will hear your cry out of the mouths of babes. Out of the mouths of babes. You know, this is why we should never let fear decide our future. Never let fear decide our future. See, courage doesn't mean that you don't get afraid. Courage means that you don't let fear stop you. Do you know what that means? That means that you do not need to be afraid of what tomorrow might bring. Because knowing that there is someone who is with you, who is for you, who cares about you, who is mindful about you, makes all the difference in the world. Who drives out all fear. I love 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out all fear. God is love. That God will drive out all fear. That the creator of the world would use the mouths of babes. And this is why Jesus says, He says, To be His followers is to become like a child. To have childlike faith that puts their trust in their hope and their love and totally in their father who loves them. You know, years ago, in fact, 10 years ago, my daughter Rayla, she jumps off. She wanted to jump off the Raglan Bridge, right? Because we went holidaying there about 10 years ago. <laughs> Just take a look at that picture. This is the Raglan Bridge. And um, here's the thing. My brother and his family came and, and uh, Rayla's cousin, she's a good swimmer, you know, he, my, my brother's the one that gets up early in the morning to take the kids swimming. <laughs> I'm the one who doesn't. <laughs> so she was, and my, my niece, she was like doing backflips off the bridge, jumping off the bridge and all these things. And then she runs up to, she's a real good swimmer, she runs up to my daughter Rayla, who's seven at that time, this is 10 years ago, who's not a good swimmer. <laughs> 
And she said, Rayla, do you want to jump off the bridge? And now I was going to say, no, 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 no. Then my brother and his wife goes, yeah, Rayla, you should jump off the bridge. It'd be great. And then I was feeling a bit of peer pressure now. Like, you know, I'm like, I don't want to be the party pooper. And she goes, oh, okay. And I was going, oh, no. So we go to the bridge and we, and we look down and it's, and up, it's so deep. And I said, Rayla, I'm going to jump into the water. And then you're going to jump in. You can jump on my shoulder. Okay, you good? Okay. So that's me jumping in the water. I'm, that's me there. I've got hair. Hair then, gone, gone today. Okay. <laughs> that's me jumping in the water. Jumping in as, as carefully as I can. Now, there's a strong current underneath that bridge. So I'm like swimming like this, trying to stay in one spot underneath the bridge, going hard out, swimming like this. And Rayla, she's in the pink. She's holding the rail. She's looking down. I can see fear has gripped her. She's holding onto this rail. And Rayla, jump, jump. And then the tide's pushing me back, pushing me back. And I say, Rayla, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump, because I'm too far now. And I swim back to shore and I run to the bridge and say, Rayla, 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 it's okay. Do not want to jump? Don't jump. It's okay. She goes, I want to jump. Okay, Rayla, I'm going to do this again. Jump in. I do it a second time. Jump! She doesn't jump, and I come back. I'm, I'm like, I'm puffed. <sighs> and I said, and now, this is audience gathered, people on the bridge waiting. I go, Rayla, I'm going to do this one more time. But if you want to, if you want to give up, you can give up. It's okay. It's fine. I don't mind. I'm tired. He said, No, I'm going to jump. Okay. But you need to jump. Okay. So he jumps in the water. Third time, I look at her, Rayla, jump, jump. And I looked at her and I said, Rayla, look at me, Rayla. <laughs> Rayla, jump. She's holding the rails, fears gripped her. And when I say, Rayla, look at me, and then she looks at me. And you know what? She lets go and she jumps. And there she is, jumping in the rail. She finally jumped. When she jumped, there was applause, crowd, everyone is cheering, people on the bridge are cheering, and, and she lands and she jumps in the water. You know what? It was, it, was, it, was the, it was the faith of a child where fear was telling her, don't let go, hold on. And she looks down and she sees the love of her father, knowing that her father would do everything he can to keep her safe. For many of us, we're holding on with dear life. Maybe you're, you're here, you may be watching back online, and you're stuck in a relationship that's violent. And you're too afraid to leave it. Never let fear decide your future. What is it for you that's holding you back? But here's the thing. To us, a child is born. Out of the mouths of babes. So my, my daughter, she jumps in the water, jumps on, the back, on my back, and I begin to swim back. My niece does a backflip into the water, show off. Jumps on. She jumps on the back of my daughter. Now I'm underwater, my two, and my daughter, and I'm like this. And I'm, you know, who knows you can't breathe underwater? So I'm like dying here. <laughs> and I get to the beach. I'm exhausted. I nearly drowned. Bradley goes, let's do that again. I was going, no, we ain't doing that again. Come on. There was someone who's for you, who's with you. Isaiah 9 verse 6 says this, For to us, a child is born out of the mouths of babes. To us, a son is given. That God's for you. He's with you. You're not alone. And the government will be on his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. 
He loves you. He's mindful of you. He cares for you. This is why we celebrate Christmas, that God chose to step into his creation for you. He's not done with you. You may think your time is done. He's not done with you.